The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, and Joe Costanzo. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Drop Back Podcast. I'm Sam Lewis, and we're back at full strength this week as I'm joined down the line by Matt Burns Peak. How's it going, Sleep? And Joe Costanzo. The Three Musketeers, back at it again. We are, and how are the lights, Joe? They've got them all sorted? Uh, yeah, they're, they're all uh, they're all light. They're working, functional. Great, and that is our IT guy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. So something that looks a lot more organised this weekend than Joe at his job is the Bucks All-Star Game, organised by Football America, that's going on this Sunday. Yep, mm. indeed. It looks like it's going to be uh, you know, a fantastic occasion with some very, very strong squads. Have you guys had a chance to look at the uh, the rosters for, for this upcoming weekend? I have, yeah, I've actually. I've got them up a... right now. No, and what I do appreciate is it's a really good mix of players that play in the Premiership all the way down to the League 2 standouts that wouldn't necessarily get their due most weeks during the season. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I was just going to say, and I think that's a result of the fact they've done it with um, the trial system this year. They had a, 195 people at the trials, which is fantastic. And then I think that's given the chances for you know the standout players from the slightly lower divisions to show that they are up to the standard. And uh, like I said, Slew, I think it's great to see so many from the uh, you know with the divisions ones and divisions two as well as the premier in in the All Star game. Yeah, it should be I think go on, Joe. Sorry, I just think it's great to see so many so many reps from Loughborough uh, played with a bunch of these guys over here. So obviously we've we've got Jeff, the big man who was interviewed by Matt. Uh, we've got Angus, Tom, Ryan, Declan. George, Declan. Are you just going to read through all the Loughborough <laughs> I'm, players? I'm it seems to... like a massively biased start to the podcast. <laughs> I, I'm I'm perfectly fine to do that, to be honest. And I'm going to continue. So we've also got... <laughs> I'm joking. It's fine. But basically, yeah, it's, it's a good representation for, for not, like you said, not just the premiership, but the the wider leagues and divisions. Because, like, as we know, Bucks isn't just isn't just the, the premiership. It's, it's, it's everyone. It's good they did the trials this year to, to represent that. Yeah, and as Matt said, there were 195 players that tried out this year, which is a huge number for the first year that they're doing this since the end of the 2008-9 season. And with two really respectable head coaches in Jason Scott and Wayne Hill taking charge of each of these sides, it should be a fantastically played affair. They've had, they've only managed to have one practice before the game, but with these head coaches, they should be able to drill them into shape pretty quickly. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you look at the uh, the coaching rosters as well, there's some big some big names that we've seen hovering around, uh, you know, the the Bucks coaching scene for a while now. You know, you've got um, Coach Sherrett from Loughborough as the OC, um, which I think, you know, having obviously been there as well, all of us will testify that he was a fantastic coach to work under. Uh, you know, you've got some fantastic coaches across those, across both those rosters. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Rob Lowe as well, the offensive coordinator for Reading. So I think it's going to be, you know, fantastic show of not just the talent, athlete-wise that we've got in Bucks, but also the coaching-wise coaching, coaching wise as well. Mm. Exactly. And th- the re-emergence of this game, as along with the potential murmurings of the return of, of the GB student system, it's a trend in the right direction for the British game as we look to grow it from the grassroots. So uh, I'm thinking this, alongside the NFL Academy that's taken up roots and sh- I think is starting this autumn. Yeah. But it, 
you think that maybe this isn't too far away from becoming a real powerhouse as a country and maybe we'll see some players reach the college and the NFL scene. Yeah, and I think it was really good signs as well uh, throughout the summer, the recent um, sort of um, reshuffle going on with Baffer as well. Um, I think it, it shows that there's a lot of committed people in the organisation that are trying to get British American football to the place where it has the potential to be. Uh, and that, you know, just if you talk to people involved with the Buck scene, people involved with, um, you know, the Baffer scene, we spoke to a number of people while at the Brit Bowl. Um, there's such a community feel about it. There's so many people that are so invested in getting British American football to the place that it can be, uh, that I have no doubt that we're trending in the right direction and we can continue to see fantastic growth like the All-Stars game, uh, you know, continuing for many years to come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and there's, there's so much talent in the British game as well. Joe Walker, the man who's organising this whole thing, who seems to have done a fantastic job, and we have a... We have an interview with him coming out on the website soon before the game kicks off. But he was at the Southern Trials and he was just amazed by the quality put on show by these young men. You get one-handed catches, jukes, spins and huge plays by defensive linemen. And as he put it out, these aren't boys. These are grown men playing grown man sports. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as outlined by our sort of plans uh, of of how we hope to to shine a bit more of a light on Bucks football this season with, uh, you know, plays the week and, and, that, and that sort of thing, uh, hopefully we'll be able to show people that there is some tremendous talent throughout the, the, the British system uh, and they're going to finally get a chance to, sh- to, to have the spotlight shown on them and, and show what they can do. So anyone interested in going to see this game, it is being played at Coventry this Sunday. Tickets an entrance is only £5, so it's absolutely worth it to go and see the best that Brit Bowl has to offer. The trials have happened, the rosters are set, and the North and South are ready to show down this Sunday. Damn right. Do you guys have an idea of, uh, you know, which which roster you you, uh, you can see getting the win here, or is it is it too close to tell, do you think? Um, I'm, go- I'm uh, going to go ahead and say the North. Um, I, ju- I just think... Generally speaking, when it comes to Bucks, the North has had the advantage over the years, so I'm just going to play it safe and go go with the North here. I, I agree with Joe, but I think another advantage that the North has this year is that they do have quite a lot of players that have already played on the same team. There's a lot more diversity in university players in the Southern team, and you've got to think that with only one practice session, that pre-existing chemistry has to count for something. Loughborough and Coventry are the most represented teams in this, and those two are both in the northern teams. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go south for this one. I have a I have a good feeling about some of the names that we can see on that ro- on that south that south roster. Um, I think that they might cause a bit of an upset here. Mm. You just like to be difficult, don't you? Absolutely love it. <laughs> okay, so. Everyone, please go and support that game. It's a huge bonus for British football, and the more people get involved, the bigger this sport can grow. Preach. Damn right. So, on the American side of things, week three took place this week, and I've got to be honest, I was not. I didn't enjoy it as much, and that's not just because... Your Eagles were terrible. My Eagles got absolutely <laughs> handed to them. But it was the referees seemed to have a little bit of a shit show this week. They had, There was a conference during the week, and they've been told laid out on the holding calls... And it did work to some extent. They've dropped from about three holding calls per game from what was almost six a game Jeez, over the lo- first two weeks of the season. But there was some. There's still no consistency. Did you see Justin Reed on the Chargers' drive, final drive, time uh, win the game when he was literally 
backed into a O lineman who was had his arms wrapped around him as he couldn't move away. It was the most blatant call I have ever seen. Just yeah. be completely ignored. Yeah, there was there was some real head scratches uh, this week for sure. Um, I know I know for fact the the Miles Sanders face mask that wasn't was possibly the <laughs> most textbook blatant example of a face mask you could possibly think up if you were to like type into google what is a face mask penalty it would just be that clip and somehow that doesn't get called it it was bizarre yeah Yeah, well you look at the lion's gunner on that play and he sprints straight off the pitch he knows exactly that he's committed a pretty egregious foul scarpers away looks nervously over his shoulder and then just sort of hides in with the rest of his teammates that was the most blatant decapitation attempt i've ever seen (laughs) Yeah, I I, th- I think it's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Slew. Well, I was just going to say, this is my biggest issue with the NFL. They preach so much about player safety and they've got all mm. these roughing the passer protections. Whereas you look at Donald got flagged for, yes, he hits um, Mayfield in the head and it's against the rules, but it's not really as bad as someone trying to rip your neck around. And is it really player safety or is it protecting the prize assets that's quarterbacked? And if you're going along with this ridiculous PI, PI is now reviewable, which I think is just a complete mess, then how is these player safety not calls, horse collars, face mask, how are you not making that a reviewable decision? Or at least go to the booth for it. Why? It doesn't need to be a flag. Just you could see what happens. Go and have a look at the replay and call that back. That's ridiculous that that's been allowed to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think if you're going to make pass interference um reviewable technically everything should be reviewable at that point really like ev- uh, i mean i don't believe there's been any um overturned challenges so far but um yeah i mean going going back from what you were saying i i think just over the past three weeks in general not just this week the the refs have just been particularly fragrant with the uh roughing the parsicles in particular mm-hmm. um yeah and, and like you said it, it's just it does feel more so that the league's just favoring quarterbacks rather than and we all know that the the game is changing but um it's not the same game it was 20 years ago but just comparing when none of us were watching <laughs> obviously but <laughs> you know back in my day but um the game's changing. We all know that the game's getting softer, and that with the concussion, the realization of concussions a few years ago, um, they have to let up on a, on a lot of this stuff. But it is getting a bit ridiculous. It's it's it seems like a game can't go more than ten minutes without just seeing the yellow flag or on. And a lot of the time, it is just things that could be overlooked, things that you know could keep the momentum going. In particular, the roughing the passer calls, in my opinion, but. Yeah, one of the things that that when you follow American football in the UK and you speak to people about mm. it or try and engage the, the, the every man on the street in the UK about American football if they don't really follow it, the biggest um, issue that people have with it is how long it takes and how stop-start it is. Yeah. And it's a shame that this season it seems to be even worse than normal in, in terms of because there's, 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 there's we've seen way more flags than normal and stuff like that. It kills the momentum of games. It makes it some in, to some extent slightly less watchable from the neutral perspective that it's like, oh, there's another holding penalty. That some a, a, a pretty spectacular players now doesn't count and it sort of kills the momentum of, of the game and of, of the event. Um, and I just think when you get to the stage where you're making things that are by definition very subjective reviewable 
you're, you're making a rod for your own back. And I think that we're going to see, like we do in, in the Premier League with VAR, um, the reluctancy of um, the VAR officials to want to overrule the on-field ref, in which case it's like, what's the point in even having it anyway? If you're not going to use it or if it's not going to actually be a fair chance of the decision to be overturned, then it's basically just a show actors in it. Mm, definitely. Uh just just a little tidbit here. The Falcons had 16 penalties for 128 yards in their game. Brutal. Which makes clearly makes a difference, and they lost that week. So, Yeah, and it's just there's some holding calls that you, you look, and it's like, does that really need to be given? The one against the Broncos, which I think their, their reputation's almost preceded them in that case. I think Garrett Bowles has been holding all, get, all season long, it seems, but they've just been called for a holding call that, he just pushes the guy. It's not even. It's not even yeah. close to a hold, and it's the lack of consistency that makes it too hard to judge. And the, the there's no consistency from the rest. How are the players supposed to understand what they play? Some weeks you're going to get called for stuff, and then and the other weeks you're not. You need to have a clear and hard rule of what is a hold. I know it is a difficult decision, but there's too much leeway at the moment. Mm. Mm, definitely. Yeah, so from another point of sloppiness, it did seem it was a sloppy week this week. <laughs> a lot yeah. of fumbles. Sloppy boy. A lot of picks. It was not a clean act. Definitely not. No, and some of that is attributed to the new quarterbacks, but some of them played well. A lot of that was established players just dropping the ball, making bad throws. I don't really understand what happened this week. It just seemed to... Very loose, wasn't it? I think it's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, some of that is to do with the new quarterbacks. So there were six of them, start brand new starters from, from the new teams after Gardner Minshew won midweek is he the real deal Gardner Minshew I don't know if he's a real deal but he's a lot of fun yeah he is a lot of fun and go ahead Joe uh yeah I mean he's a very sassy character uh kind of looks like you know what, what you'd expect out of like a 70s porn star to be honest yeah. um with <laughs> I mean I don't I don't know if you guys have seen his, his week two attire but it was it was pretty raunchy stuff I thought you were going to ask us if we've seen a lot of 70s porn but no, it's my exclusive it. porn categories the 70s have you, stuff have you seen a lot of men exercising and just their drug strap no and I can't say that I am too sorry about that yeah. so after Gardner Minshew took apart which is starting to look like a pretty sorry Titans unit after they looked so dominant in week one yeah there mm. were again six new starters and we'll Begin with Daniel Jones, who probably had the most pressure on him coming on for Eli Manning, a borderline Hall of Famer. We'll save that argument for another time. But he he looked good in his first showing in for a start. Two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. He got a little bit lucky to get away with the win after Bruce Aaron seemed to lose his mind, taking a purposeful <laughs> delay of game penalty to make the field goal a little bit further away. Don't really see the appeal of that, but... Either way, he did stuff that Elon Manning cannot do anymore. Those two rushing touchdowns, especially the one to take the lead at the end of the game. Yeah. And mm. the whole offense looked much more rejuvenated. You look at Evan Ingram with that one-handed catch looking like Odell Beckham and the speed down the sideline. Mm. Sterling Shepard showing up all over the spot. Is this the beginning of a new era for the Giants? Can they be excited by this? It, it, it w- I would be a lot more excited about it if uh, Saquon Barkley hadn't had that that awkward looking ankle injury and is probably going to be out for at least sort of three or four weeks um but hey they i mean that that giants offense suddenly looked like a quite a bit of fun um i think daniel jones was 
even better than advertised. I know, obviously, we, we've spoken about him in previous podcasts about how uh, the that pick was ridiculed, how you know even us were sort of questioning why you take him at six. Um, and to be fair, he's made everyone eat his words in pre-season, and then now with his first start, he looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I would go ahead and say, um, when you just look at Eli Manning play, it's it just kind of looks like he doesn't really want to be there. Like every time he's taking a sack, it's almost like he's falling down into the sack. I think it's just the right time for Daniel Jones to take over. And he proved it this week. So good on the man. Yeah. Yeah. He did still have a few of the same issues he had preseason. He got strips at twice being loose of the ball in the pocket there. And it's just like, we should have got over this, Danny boy. You've, this has happened in preseason twice. Why are you just sitting there holding the ball loosely and letting it get smacked out of your hands? But oh, she, Danny boy. Shaquille Barrett's good, to be fair, though. <laughs> Shaquille Barrett's on eight sacks for the year or something like that, which Monster is man. mental for someone that was just let go during free agency. Yeah, he's a sneaky little good boy. Yeah, crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, Daniel Jones looked good. The other New York quarterback, Luke Folk, looked pretty crap. Yeah. He was exposed. He was exposed a little bit by the Patriots defense, and to be fair to him, he was on the practice squad a week ago. But he he definitely played like it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, with all respect to him, that Patriots defense has made a lot of people look silly in the last, not even just the start of the season, back end of last season. I mean, for most of last season, actually, to be honest. So there's not really a lot of shame in being. Uh, you know, made to suffer by Bill Belichick, but I mean, yeah, Luke Falk didn't look like he was ready for an NFL game. I mean, he was, yeah, he was definitely against what is clearly the best defense in the league. So I can't give him too much hassle, but um, he he didn't look great. Twelve for twenty-two, ninety-eight yards and a pick, playing the whole game. That is that won't a do pretty it. sorry performance. He didn't lead a scoring drive at all, not even a field goal. The only Scores the Jets had with special teams and um, a defense, and it's just <laughs> pixie by the man who they thought was going to be out of New York because um, Adam Gaze loves to alienate his players. He does. He does I could have told that. you that. I think you did several times over the Many offseason. Times. <laughs> so Kyle Allen looked good though for the Panthers, putting up big performance, and he highlighted the vertical threat of North Turner's offense that they definitely were missing under Cam Newton's obvious injury. His bogus shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I think Carl Allen um, looked fantastic. And this was actually a really fun game to watch. Uh, you know, Allen against Murray. We wouldn't have pit it as that in, you know, looking at these fixtures before the week. But um, yeah, I mean, four touchdowns is not a bad showing whatsoever. Um <laughs> It's not bad, is it? You'll take four touchdowns. Yeah, I I I think I'll settle for four touchdowns. It's not quite a Ryan Fitzpatrick six interception performance, but it's it's okay. (laughs) It's serviceable. Um, And a a QBR of 144. Yeah, I mean, Carl Allen looked fantastic. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, one, how long if, if Cam Newton's back this week, and two, if that is actually a decision that needs to be made at some point. Yeah, I, I think he looked very accurate. Um, he had 73% pass completion rating, as we said, four touchdowns. Uh, he, he put on a good performance. Uh, proud of the man. And he'll be happy. And he was <laughs> able to utilize the speed of his receivers. The Cam Newton, he's, I don't know what's going on with him. I know he's injured now, but God, you do got to worry. How how much time does Cam Newton have left? Is he is Cal Allen good enough that they can let him recover fully? And will that just like brew another... QB controversy. 
Cam Newton led the league in uncatchable passes so far this season. <laughs> I think that, um, and you know, he didn't look mobile at all. He didn't look comfortable at all. I think that Carlan's at least serviceable enough to be able to let Cam Newton get a proper rest. I mean, this Panthers team, no disrespect to them, but I don't think they're going to be a real contender come sort of back end of the season, postseason time. I don't think it's worth rus- rushing Cam Newton back um, and risking sort of long-term damage. You might as well stick with Carl Allen. He can do a serviceable job and then see where you are in, in four or five weeks' time. I would I would definitely add to that and just say, if you, out of what we've seen from Cam, uh, there's just... It's just, his performances haven't been good. And what we've just seen out of Kyle Allen, he's, he's scored four touchdowns. He had an amazing QBR. Like, just keep the momentum going. Keep him in for now. And just, you know, let Cam fully recover from whatever is going on. Yeah, because when Cam's fully healthy, he's one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the league to watch. He's, mm. he's amazing. What you can... As a dual threat, he's just so different to anything we've ever seen he's because he's just an enormous man and he can actually pass yeah and that's the issue is that he's not even being used as a dual threat right now because of this injury you know he can't do these one yard sneaks that he was always able to do going in but yeah we'll see yeah he ain't super cam he's lowest lane <laughs> all right jeff yeah get that on the t-shirt i'm sure it'll sell massively well so mason rudolph was sort of a little bit hyped up going into this game. He didn't really live up to the expectations. They, The Steelers were pretty optimistic about Rudolph. They said, oh yeah, they drafted him, the, I think, the third round last, in 2017 or 18. So yep. they had high hope for him that he could replace Ben, but he, just, he looked very average, Man. to say the least, against the Niners. And if you're unable to take advantage of five turnovers, yeah. uh, you haven't played well enough. I would say one thing in in this game and just say that um, the Steelers really didn't have a running attack or re- I mean, and they've shown that past Juju, there's not a clear number two receiver. So, uh, I mean, Mason Rudolph didn't have much to work with here. It looked like the 49s were just sort of stacking the line and expecting the run. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think you said it there, Slew. If if this game shouldn't really have been close. The the 49ers kept giving the Steelers opportunities and field position to do something mm-hmm. on offense, and it just never really quite took off. I think Mason, Mason Rudolph was okay. Um, like I said, not nowhere near as sort of the, the end product that there was a lot of hype around him being. Um, but I think that might be more a, a case of this Steelers offense hasn't got going as a unit yet, rather than it being just Mason Rudolph's problem. Yeah, but this was supposed to be the move that reignites it because Rudolph played with James Washington at Oklahoma State and it was that chemistry was supposed to develop Washington who as a second round pick really hasn't lived up to expectations and there was none of that on Sunday the big plays he had was a crossing route to Juju who just was too quick for everyone else just and picking picking on a backup cornerback mm. which is bullying <laughs> you heard it here first Mason Rudolph's a bully yeah. You'd know the feeling. People should respect backup quarterbacks more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another backup quarterback who's, well, now starter for the Miami Dolphins, yeah, Josh yeah. Rosen. The Rosen one. And he, look, he looked all right. He, he looked all right. I mean, the talent around him isn't anywhere near good enough for him to challenge a pretty competitive Dallas squad who... Gaining more and more excitement as the weeks go on. Devontae Parga had a 
big drop in the red zone when the score was close, and He'll then Kenny that. Drake decided to fumble the ball. He'll do that as well. And Rosen, he was sat three times, hit 11 times. Uh, there's not much you can do when you've got that pressure. It's almost like the Dolphins are missing a key piece on the O-line. Yeah, like a whole fucking line. It's, mm, it yeah, but at least you had one piece to start the season. Then you're like, nah, fuck all the quarterbacks. Let's just get him killed. If you yeah. doubt round down, might as well just get rid of all the pieces. Mm. Just a little tidbit here. Uh, Rosen is now questionable with a hand injury for his availability Shocking. in week four. So we don't know if he's going to continue. I probably really will, hope though. he does. Uh, but would you, would you risk him? Why? So you might win a game, Matt? No, nah, we're not going to win a game. He's stupid. But you know, he looked dosh darn serviceable on Sunday and good on him because that is a shit offence. <laughs> so well done him. I mean, someone, what I, th- I think, uh, well, one of my brothers mentioned it and one of my friends mentioned me saying, oh, Ro- Rosen was really good. Does that mean that you're not going to draft two anymore? And I was like, no, he's stupid. Absolutely going to draft two us still. But Obviously. good for yeah. Josh Rosen, eh? Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you with that exact same question. How well does Josh Rosen have to play for you not to draft a quarterback with in the first round next year? Oh, he's got to throw a lot of tuddies. He's got to throw a lot of tuddies because apparently the Dolphins' front office is just like absolutely obsessed with Tua. And they've got two posters in there. Um, ever since that, that Georgia what? comeback game, apparently they've just been all over him. And I think that really? um, it's one of those things where and it'll be an injection of sort of excitement and energy getting a new rookie quarterback in who has a good deep ball. And I just don't think you can really... I don't think there's many certainties that pretty much any of the current offensive starters at Miami are guaranteed to be on the roster next season. Um, I would say Josh Rosen will remain on the roster. I just think that he will most likely be the backup to be it Tua or be it Justin Herbert that Miami will get in next next season. Uh, Wait, so you traded a second for Josh Rosen (laughs) despite at that point the front office being already infatuated with Tua. So the best case scenario was you bring in Rosen and he's shit and then you get the first round pick and get Tua. Or you bring in Rosen, he's good, you miss out on Tua because you pile up a couple of wings and then you're stuck with a quarterback you didn't really want and you still might not think it's as good as the one you could have taken hey listen folks i mean if josh rosen starts you know clicking it and we we actually throw we score another touchdown which i haven't done since week one by the way um and you know he starts to get that completion percentage up starts to be able to you know put points on the board then it might be a conversation but all i'm saying at the moment is that um i think that from the Miami Dolphins front office point of view whatever happens on off- on offense this season we're not really worried about in, to be honest because it's going to be a completely <laughs> different unit next year yeah this doesn't count exactly this is a freebie it's just a bit of fun <laughs> light it up slew it's all fun and games unless you're on the team <laughs> yeah in which case it's your career it's, suicide please get me the hell out of here <laughs> exactly and Sunday also saw the return of the legendary Teddy Two Gloves in a big win in Seattle the boy as did you know that was well, I don't think it was mentioned at all on red zone on Sunday because they do love to repeat facts in the NFL that that was the first home September defeat under Pete Carroll for the Seattle Seahawks wow that's such a weird wow. stat to roll out there like do you, you see his busted nose that's funny yeah got pinged by a football got schnozzed by a linebacker in, in warm-ups unbelievable got absolutely splattered yeah so I'm not I'm still not convinced by Bridgewater in this game. He yeah. 
he 19 passes out of 27, but only 177 yards. Yes, he got two touchdowns, but he was massively helped by special teams and the defensive scores that put them up big early. And Alvin Kamara was just doing Alvin Kamara things, just taking dump-offs and just Today's, wiggling out yeah. of everything. Exactly. Yeah, I agree, Slew. I didn't think that... I think Teddy Bridge, he was okay. Um, I don't think he did anything that made you sort of, you know, stand up and take notice. I think he was a, it was a serviceable performance. Like I said, he didn't do anything spectacular. He let um, Alvin Kamara pretty much run the offense. And, um, like, yeah, I think that the, the defense and special teams can take the most credit for that win. Yeah, I, I, I would just kind of just agree with what Matt's just said. I, I, I'm going to say just ride Alvin Kamara. He's, he's one of the most versatile backs in the league for now until you can potentially get Breeze back. But it's no, I just don't really trust Bridgewater with, you know, taking the full control of this offense. And that's what you lose with, with the uh, loss of a veteran like Breeze. So Teddy Bridgewater's got what, mate? Five more games to prove that he's a starting quarterback in this league. Uh, and he hasn't done much to convince me in the first one, which, looking at the defences they have to play, yes, it's difficult to go play the Seattle, but it's not going to get that much easier from here. Smash oh. some Taysom Hill in there. He's fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they it's haven't. Fun, but he's not going to win. Well, apparently he's like Steve Young, but, I mean, if that was the case, he'd be starting. If Steve yeah. Young played running back. Well, apparently he's been following Drew Brees around doing his entire schedule. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I saw line. that. I can't tell if that's to get as a better quarterback or just a really funny nibs, just, just <laughs> constantly following Drew Brees. That would be funny, to be fair. Yeah. yeah, so big turnovers, new quarterbacks. What else did we see on Sunday? Is Patrick Mahomes, has he secured the MVP again? Is he just that good? Is he just the best player in the league? That little Kermit-voiced fella is the best player in the league, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of ridiculous, to be honest. It, it sucked. It sucked big time. I mean, I loved we, it. We kept it close, you know, but... Um, you did. Yeah, closer than anyone else so far. That, that's an advantage. They only scored 30 With on us. two outrageous third-down third plays, which I have no idea how was completed. Lamar Jackson just like, nope, let's just throw this up, see if it works. I mean, fourth down, sir. Are you talking about the Seth was one Roberts of them fourth, th- Yeah, they both on fourth down? Uh, I know the Seth Roberts one was definitely on fourth and nine. But that was that was kind of ridiculous. I was kind of scared that I was going to get called back for a push off, but alas, um, yeah. I think Mahomes is legit. Uh, he's just ridiculous. I'll do you, Joe. He'll be he'll be pleased to hear that take. Yeah, a lot of I, people aren't sure if Mahomes is any good. You know what? I've had enough of you, Slew. Right? <laughs> Listen here, Mahomes is going to win the MVP. We all know it. Mahomes <laughs> is probably going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks. Of all time. I've said it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That's so early. Wow. I've said it. What a call. Do you think this is how people felt watching Michael Jordan as he came into the NBA? That this guy's just so much better just doing things that no one else has ever done before? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I, I've never seen anyone else attempt a no-look pass, to be honest. Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick did one in pre-season training. Well, yeah, it's basically the same. <laughs> He just throws the ball effortlessly. It doesn't look like he even has to set his feet. It doesn't make any sense. It's just so annoying to watch again another year. Stupid good. Yeah. It's nice yeah, of between... uh, Lamar Jackson to leave his deep ball in the locker this this week as well. Yeah, I was, I was... Yeah, yeah, really nice. Just completely missing on a few of them. With... I mean, Marquise Brown is quick, but he's not 
Not the flash. Jesus. Yeah, it seemed like in the first half we were kind of just... Uh, Lamar, Lamar just does this thing where he... he Obviously, our tight end core is good, so he just over relies on them and then will only ever throw it to Marquise Brown. And then he, he only actually had one completion, I think. Um, I haven't got the stats up, but Sony, I, I'm pretty Something sure. like that, yeah. yeah it, was, it was like, it was a quiet day for Marquise Brown and then we saw that, you know, Lamar Jackson had, uh, you know, failed to keep up without the production from Marquise. Um, the 51.2% passing, which compared to his first... And no touchdowns throwing the ball. He obviously had a few mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns, but compared to his weeks one and two, where it was uh, over a seven, almost a seventy-two percent passing completion rate with seven touchdowns passing, so pretty high drop off when we're facing the big competition here. Must be good to see. You love to see it. But it was nice to see, to see the running game though still working, and I think that is going to be the key for the Ravens because Mark Ingram looks. Fucking amazing. Big game. He looks quick, he looks strong, and that threat that Jackson has, and now he can throw as well. Mm. It's gonna open up some gaping holes for Ingram. Yeah, and Ingram looks really good in the receiving game as well, which he didn't really see as much in the Saints, but he, he's he's genuinely Well it's because why would you throw to, to him when you have Alvin Kamara? Yeah, exactly. But but now we are and it, he he's mm. perfectly serviceable to you know receive the ball and he, he's obviously a good runner. I mean, you know. Yeah, so the Bills are still undefeated as well. How long does that last? They play. I think they play the Patriots this week. Yeah. Two undefeated teams going up against each other in a heavyweight clash for the AFC East lead. Yeah, the, the, the teams <laughs> the Bills have played have combined for one win so far this season. I think it's a little bit early to be uh, sucking off the Bills. I think they're going to get absolutely hey, destroyed by the, by the Patriots next week. Yeah. I am going to have to agree, but I'd love. I think we'd all agree that we'd love to see the Bills Josh Allen roll up and, you know, hurdle everybody. Have you seen that play where he, where he just dropped the ball and instead of just jumping on it, it's like, now I'm going to pick that up and just throw it back across my body and just hope someone's there. Sick Which man. was... Elite. Because when you're seeing it on TV and you can't see the guy he's throwing it to, it just looks like the worst decision in the world. But Josh Allen has a cannon on his arm and he doesn't really care. It's like a less good Patrick Mahomes. A much less what? good Patrick Mahomes. The Walmart version. <laughs> I guess everyone's like talent. a much less good Patrick Mahomes if you if you just Well they're not start because Josh Allen could still make Josh Allen could still make passes that I'm gonna say the vast majority of quarterbacks in the league don't have the arm strength to make. So you're just saying Josh Allen's got a big arm, not that he's a much less good Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Okay. No. Are they <laughs> exclusive? They must be. My biggest takeaway from this week was just how fucking ridiculously um, mistake-prone most of the teams in the, in, the, in the league were this time around. And we saw so many errors in various different ways across so many games. Mm. Uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, Joe, Atlanta with all of the penalties in the world. Damn right. Um, the, the ridiculous amount of drops by the Eagles, which was hilarious, but also well, slightly worrying. Nelson Aguilar now decided he will catch it and then drop it. He'll yeah. do both in one. So he's got over the catching drops. He'll make the catch and then it's like, ah, no, I forgot to drop it. Pulled a Boom. little sneaky one on you. Which hurts because I do really like Nelson Aguilar and his second touchdown when he was just spinning around was great. He's got bricks for hands. It's so frustrating because I, I do love him. He's a great little slot receiver when he's deciding, you know what, I'm going to be on a catching day today. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, the Eagles receiving core just couldn't just really struggle to catch the ball all day seven long. Drops. Seven drops. Seven. 
which is absolutely ridiculous. 49ers offense, five turnovers. That's an absolute joke. And then you you finished off with the Buccaneers kicker missing a gimme game-winning field goal at the end. It was just like, well, everyone's playing loose this week. And on the note of of massive mistakes, what is it with Freddie Kitchen's play calling? Like, he called a draw on fourth and nine in the fourth quarter. And they were on the Rams' four-yard line. And they didn't throw it once. Uh, sorry, they didn't run it once. They threw like, it five times. Yeah, that was the issue. Four times. That was that was the exact yeah, problem. From the same formation every time. <laughs> Nick Chubb out left. It's like, well, yeah. you've just basically taken him out of the game. Let's just shorten the pitch by about three quarters. Mm. And it's just terrible play calling. No pick plays. Nothing like that. It's just sort of just run straight and try and get open in fifteen yards of space. Oh. It's, yeah, it was it was a weird one. Did, I think I'm fairly certain they targeted Jarvis Landry in the first two, then Demet, then Harris, and then I think they went Harris again on the fourth down play, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it was just mm. like very predictable. It, it looked like the Rams knew exactly what routes they they were being expected to be hit with, um, and didn't really, even though it was you know game potentially tying play on the fourth yard line. You know the, the, the Rams looked pretty in control of the situation, to be honest, which is worrying for Freddie Kitchens in that offense. It's almost like the most inexperienced coach in the league is starting to show a bit of inexperience. Almost. Ooh. Get wrecked, Freddie. <laughs> but another thing I found frustrating, and it's not Baker's fault because he has a trash O-line that can't stop anyone, trash. much less Aaron Donald, but he spends too much time. I've seen too many of these roll out to the right, sort of fade away throws mm. that... Mm just end up as ducks and it's the same issue I have with Carson Wentz when they stick in the pocket move up and throw the ball they're among the best in the league but there's too much where they panic and rely on their athleticism those two were able to get away with so much in college because they're so athletic yeah and it's a sort of a lack of growth Carson Wentz is in his fifth fourth year now and he's still sort of doing the same mistakes and I love Carson Wentz but if I see him roll out to the left another time when he doesn't need to and look for Zach Ertz because he doesn't think anyone else is open. Oh, it's frustrating to watch. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when you're playing football and then there's like a shot straight down the middle of the goal and the the goalkeeper takes like a step to his right so he can make a big dive to get get it. When Mm. it's like, if you just did what you were normally doing, you would have saved it easy. It's it's almost like that sort of, um, you know, wanting to make a highlight reel play over relying on the athleticism that we're seeing these silly like I said lack of growth mistakes it's not even like baker mayfield is overly athletic though he's he's kind of average in terms of athleticism in in the league if we look at all the other quarterbacks especially in this sort mm. of era he beat you up joe yeah uh, i mean he probably would he's a professional football player but you know and he's about five inches taller than joe ah. bully, bully you <laughs> Okay, so the first game preview for the week four is the Thursday night matchup between the Eagles and the Packers. And Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Doug Peterson's optimistic that he will play, which is a much needed mm. relief for the Eagles, whose receivers again, they just they were poor. But with Jair Alexander leading that Packers defense, along with the two Smiths, I can't see the Eagles winning this one. They're getting off to too slow a start. The Packers have been getting off to quick starts. And I'm just worried. I think the Packers take this one. I think the worrying thing from... I, I completely agree. So I think the worrying point of view from the Eagles 
is that the Packers have been winning games pretty comfortably and haven't even looked like they've reached what they can achieve on offense in terms of you know efficiency and and production. They're relying on their defense and they're still winning games and looking fantastic. As soon as that offense starts clicking, they could be you know a real real force. And I think they're just coming into this one too hot for the Eagles. Yeah, I, I think the uh, Packers' investments on defense with Darius Smith and uh, oh, I've forgotten his name. Preston Smith. Preston Smith. Um, they they've they've paid off inevitably. I mean they they've, they're coming in past week four with seven point five sacks between them. If you compare that to uh, Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, they totaled last season with three point five sacks. So trash. I mean it's it's a clear improvement on defense that they've made here, and it's it's really paying off. So I I think I'm going to take the the Packers on this one. It's it's a pretty clear cut for me. Especially with the yeah. uncertainty with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson probably out. Well, Deshaun Jackson's out. He definitely out. Yeah, pretty much. And Aaron Rodgers always just rips apart our secondary because he's too good and our secondary is always filled with trash men. But, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not great. We don't. We still don't have an elite corner after like four years of this nonsense. And Lo- the pass rush hasn't been able to give the relief that it has the last few years. Are you saying Jalen Mills it's isn't elite? Been- Jalen Mills doesn't even get on the field. I think he's injured. Mr. Greenhair. Mr. Goblin. Mr. Green. Another Mr. J Goblin. that you might be interested in, though, Slew, is there's been a lot of murmurings about the Eagles going for Jalen Ramsey. Now, that would be a premier cornerback player to add to that secondary. That would work, absolutely, especially with the man defence that uh, Schwartz keeps dialing up. I mean, it's great putting your men all in man and sending everyone else, but if the pass rush isn't getting home consistently and... The corners are left on islands with receivers that they're not capable of covering. It just doesn't work. That's what happened with the Atlanta game. It happened too often in this game with Marvin Jones getting wide open on seemingly every third down. Yeah. And the Eagles defense did play better. The Lions were required. Well, I mean, well, they were put up in an easy lead with the kickoff and then the fumbles, so they didn't really have to do that much. And the Eagles defense did stop them on two third downs late in the game, but. I, the Packers are a whole nother creature. Yeah. Damn right. so, so, have we all got yeah. the Packers there then? I think we have all we got do. the Packers, yeah. Okay, so the Browns at the Ravens in this early in the season. It seems like a must-win game for the Browns. They'd be, I think, two or three games behind the Ravens and having lost against them, which would put them in a really tough decision, yeah. tough situation, try and get that AFC North that they were expected to win at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Jerry Ravens for this one. Woo! I think that the the Browns just are looking so anemic on offense. And with a defense like the Ravens have, they're going to punish the, um, you know, the, the lack of efficiency. And they're going to, the, the, the Browns keep finding themselves in, you know, third and long situations. They're not winning on the early downs. And I think this Ravens defense is going to punish them. And I think Lamar Jackson and co are going to be able to put up enough points against a pretty stout Browns defense, to be fair to them. But they're going yeah. to put up enough points to you know, get out of sight of the Browns offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to obviously agree on this one. I'm shock, shock horror. But I just think our D-line is way too much. Um, Judon looks amazing this year so far. I think he's just going to tear through that trashy Browns O-line. And, I mean, Lamar Jackson could struggle. Obviously, he struggled against the Chiefs, who don't have the strongest defense. And there's an argument to be made that the Browns' defense is better than the Chiefs. Um, so this could actually be the most challenging defense we face so far. I'm going to 
say though that given the Browns' performances this season, that we we take this one. Um, I think Lamar might struggle, but we can lean. We we've seen that we can lean on Mark Ingram now. So do you, do you think Lamar fancies throwing some touchdowns this week? Um, I think he could give it or take it. You know, I I, I mean with Lamar, legitimately, not even like as a nibs but he could give it or take it he you know he's you know some people are multifaceted you know i think he's definitely the most like honestly he's obviously one of the most versatile players in the league if you if you give him the pass he'll take the pass if you give him the run he'll take the run it's it, it's you know is what it yeah. is yeah i agree Ray, ravens are gonna win this one i think they're the best defense that the browns have faced this year and their o-line has been shite already so i don't know what the ravens pass rush is going to do to it plus the ravens have got talent on the back end as well and they maybe they won't be able to match up man to man but they'll be able to get to big quick enough that they wouldn't shouldn't need to be too cautious it's the back end boys okay so (laughs) our final preview this week is the cowboys at the saints i'm gonna go with the saints what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Teddy Two Gloves, and I'll tell you why. Uh, okay. Miami, as as we've covered numerous times so far this season, are absolutely crap, and we didn't even look that bad against the against the Cowboys. I was expecting us to get absolutely mullered. You scored and, six points. Yeah, but if you watch the the first half of that game, um, it was actually pretty close. We turned over. Dak well, well the times. second half. Uh, say that we, we don't turn <laughs> up for the second half, Slew. Okay, we're not. We, we're barely turning up for the start of the season. Okay, we'll give you a good quarter or two at most, but then we're we're tapping out. But um, yeah, I, I was quite I was quite shocked that the Cowboys didn't put up more points on Miami this week, considering how when that offense has got click got clicking this season, they've looked pretty decent. But I think that the Saints are actually going to pull a bit of an upset here, and I think it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show again with a little help from the defense. I'm going to completely disagree with you here and obviously pick the Cowboys, I think. Um, despite what Matt says, they've they've shown in these last three weeks that their offense is explosive at times. And without Breeze, like we said earlier, I just can't trust Teddy to take the Saints against this stout Cowboys defense, you know. On to Slew. Yeah, I agree. I think the Ca- I think the Cowboys win this one. I think their defense is significantly better than the Seahawks was, and I don't. I think they're better drilled than the Seahawks. I think there's going to be less fumbles from Zeke than there was from Chris Carson. Saints may not get as many opportunities on special teams, although you can never really guarantee that. And Kellen Moore's going to want to show out after he sort of yeah, the damp has been put on a little bit after that Miami game because they only put up how many points, Matt? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. There's nothing. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Loose total. change down the back of the sofa. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the Cowboys as well, they've got two fantastic linebackers as well, which should help slow down Albert Kamara a little bit. He'll still put up big numbers, but if you're able to slow him down a little bit. And then Byron Jones is a great corner who can cover Mike Thomas wherever he goes. Slot outside, doesn't really matter. And apart from those two, how much have the Saints got going for them on offense? I don't think they've got enough. I think the Cowboys win this one. Mm. Uh, do you remember when in third year of uni, I said they should move Byron Jones from safety to corner? No, never no. happened. Matt, do you remember this? I actually don't remember this, Jay. You said a lot of I went on like a whole tangent and I showed a YouTube video and everything. 
Were we even there, or were you just talking to yourself? No, I was definitely there. You prepared like a mini PowerPoint about. No, I'm not saying a PowerPoint. I'm saying I showed video of Byron Jones covering tight ends in man coverage. (laughs) And I was like, this man should be a corner. Now he's one of the best corners. So. Okay, and on Joe's delirious ramblings, that's where we're going to leave our show today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check out our website at thedropback.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Dropback. Facebook at The Dropback UK. I've been Sam. I've been Matt. And I've been Joe. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Sign up.